Three key elements to building a linkable asset in 2023 with BB Raven. The InSearch SEO podcast is brought to you by Rank Ranger, the all-in-one SEO platform that helps skill your business through data and analytics. Hey, it's David. How should you be building links in 2023? That's what we're going to be discussing today with a Gen X entrepreneur who enjoys playing Dungeons and Dragons, ukulele, and eating raw herring. <coughs> she's a fan of natural link building by humans, not automation. And she's the founder of link building agency BB Buzz. A warm welcome to the InSearch SEO podcast, BB Raven. Hi! <laughs> Hi, BB. I heard you sniggering in the introduction there. <laughs> like when people i don't know where you did i give you the bio or did you find it online because i mixed it i I mixed a few things you've said with my own thoughts oh it's so cool because um this year finally my business partner came to visit me he's in florida and it was his first time in amsterdam and of course we had to eat raw herring so whenever you go to netherlands you have to eat raw herring and he loved it it was really really cool so it made me smile to hear you say that but you don't have to, do you? If you visit the Netherlands, you don't have to do that, do you? <laughs> oh, no, you have to. Otherwise, you're just a fake tourist. You have to experience the war here. Wow, okay. Scary stuff. Well, except if you're vegan, vegan, vegetarian, of course, you don't have to do it. You can find BB over at bbbuzz.com. So, BB, um, we're talking about linkable assets, key elements in linkable assets today. What is a linkable asset? Right, so a linkable asset... Is, can be anything, and it's a it's usually a piece of content that either attracts links or passively without you asking for it, or it's very easy to uh, build links to, or actually both. So it's something that is usually not super commercial, and that people uh, would find a lot of value in for their audience to link to. So today you're sharing the three key elements to include uh, when you're building a linkable asset in 2023, um, starting off with number one, focus on others. Yeah, I definitely wanted to include that because I think a lot of businesses find it hard to focus on something else other than their products. And when you're talking about linkable assets, of course, you know, when you have a fabulous product or it's groundbreaking or, or there's a huge story behind it. Um, yeah, you can. people will link to it. But overall, when you just talk about yourself, when you're just broadcasting about, and, and about your product, people won't link to it because they see there's some kind of commercial benefit to it. If you focus on others and others that can be your audience or other companies that uh, target your audience, it's way easier to get links. And then you might think that, oh, this is not relevant enough for me, but in a roundabout way, it will be relevant. So I would definitely encourage people to not just think about yourself and your products and what you're trying to sell. A linkable asset isn't there for selling. What do you mean by the, in a roundabout way, it will be relevant? Um, how do you ensure that... Um you can actually drive value from the campaign because I guess it's very easy to actually, if you're not focusing on your own brand, to get a little bit off topic and not attract the right audience. Yeah, so it depends a little bit on what you want with your domain. So let's say it's a really new domain and you just want to boost it, right? Then you can stretch the relevancy definitely uh, further. But if you want to stay closer to your products, a little bit off topic is actually totally fine. So if you see relevancy as a triangle or what do I say, a triangle? Well, let's say that in, in a hop and a skip, you would 
be at something that's indirectly relevant to you. Maybe it's better if I give an example, a concrete example, otherwise I can go on for yeah, years. Sure. Yeah. So um, <laughs> I have a client, they, they sell experience gifts, uh, really simple things from gin tasting, but also really uh, bizarre things. You can go up in space and have a Michelin dinner in, in some sort of cabin and stuff like that, right? So one of their one part of their audiences are uh, honeymooners, people that have just been married. So they're in a honeymoon, a wedding customer journey. And then when you think of relevancy, I was thinking, okay, what's relevant to people that are getting married? Lots of things, you know, cake or, or dresses or whatever. And one of the things is jewelry because you have to give engagement rings or maybe you give some other things. And in jewelry, you always have gemstones. So what I did with that client was come up with ideas around specific gemstones because it's never about the product. It's a lot of times it's about the meaning. So if you use a specific gemstone, what does it mean, you know, for the engagement ring? So we did a whole, all these pieces on all the meanings and benefits and origins of gemstones. And then we got a passive link from US Weekly around the engagement ring of a, of a really world, well, of Jennifer Lopez, because she got engaged. And they quoted the client on the meaning of the specific gemstone in her engagement ring. So... When I talk about roundabout, yeah, you wouldn't think that gemstones are directly relevant to the product that the client is selling, but indirectly it is because you're sharing space in the customer journey of the same audience. Yeah. Understood. Okay, so don't focus on yourself, but focus on elements, on interesting stories or or items that um, your target audience may be likely to be drawn to. Yeah. Yeah. The, the essential um, initial element. Um, element two is it doesn't have to be epic. What, what do you mean by that? Yeah, so in, in with the same example, it wasn't a story. It wasn't something juicy or newsworthy. It wasn't something groundbreaking or a tool that nobody has talked about. It was just about combining a lot of information that's out there in a really useful piece of content. So in this case, about the stone. And then let the others uh, draw their value from it or let the others draw their story from it, right? So another example is stats pieces. I know that a lot of other link builders do this, do this as well. So think about relevancy. So for this client, they're in food and hospitality. Uh, veganism is a trend in food. It, it doesn't say much about their products because, well, they do have vegan restaurants that they uh, uh, sell experiences for. But anyway... So we did a stats piece around uh, veganism and that gets renewed every year. But then any journalist or publisher that talks about something that's re related to veganism uses that data and then they refer back uh, to the clients. But it's really dry. It's, it's like a compilation of internet data that's already out there. It's not owned by the clients. But a journalist has to do their homework, right? So they have to look mm -hmm. up all this data. Uh, for their story. So if you do their homework for them, because they have to do seven pieces a week or something, that saves them time and then they refer back to you. So try to reverse engineer what's already getting links or what, is, what type of content is already getting links and then uh, do something similar. And if you're, if you're like, so this client, I've been working with them for years, so they're a really strong domain now, right? They, they get ranked for, for a lot of keywords. But let's say you're not a strong domain yet, just bid on the keywords for CPC for Google ads that a journalist will look for. So let's say veganism statistics or something or veganism trends or something that's really low, there's low search volume. And then you boost yourself up to position zero. So in ads, basically. So if you're not a strong domain, just do a dry stats piece, 
and then bid on it so that you jump all the big domains. And that's how you get links. Your reverse engineering advice is really good, actually, because it reminds me of um, the good advice of look at the SERP to see what's currently ranking for your target keyword phrase to get a feel for the type of content that Google is looking for. Um, and and that's, that's kind of like that, because you're advising people to look at things like what journalists are already linking to, referring to, using as resources, because then you get a feel for what they want from you. And then you can provide them something similar and better, uh, progressive, more relevant, but similar to what they've linked to in the past, giving yourself a better opportunity to be used as that resource in the future. Yeah, totally. And you can use a SERP or one of my favorite tools is the Content Explorer from Ahrefs. And then you can look there for a specific topic. So let's say it's food or something. And then you can filter on the number of domains that are linking already to it or the traffic or social shares on Pinterest and all that stuff. But you can also do uh, not a specific topic, but a type of question. So, for instance, I found a lot of linkable assets by just typing in how many and I didn't, I didn't limit it to any topic. So just do how many in a content explorer and then start filtering. And then you can see what type of content or what topic gets a lot of links. One third thing that you can do is just use an empty search. So you go to content explorer, you don't fill in anything and you just hit the search button and then you start filtering on uh, what's there. And you, yeah, I found a lot of cool things that way. And your third key element is outreach. So um, what works for outreach now? Yeah, so what I've noticed with a lot of people is that, yes, they have an amazing piece of content, and yes, they've done all the research, and then for some reason, the outreach is kind of like an afterthought, and then they fall into a template that's been so overused that it no longer works. Even if it's a really, you know, good written template, and it makes a lot of sense, as soon as people start uh, recognizing certain link buildery terms, their their brain just shuts off and they're like, no, no, I'm not going to do this. It's just another, another one of those, right? So apply the same things of element one to your outreach. So focus on the other. So research exactly why this type of linkable asset or why this linkable asset is good for them. And then just explain it in, in the email. But don't say stuff like, oh, I saw you talked about X and you mentioned this, but I actually have a better Y, so can you do it, put it in there? It will be very valuable for your audience. Um, yeah, so, so step away from those formulas. And if you ever say stuff like that, like for instance, it's very valuable for your audience, that's an empty statement because you don't back it up. You don't say why, you know, you don't, you don't. So you have to back all those stuff up. So all those things, all those claims up. So stay away from empty statements like that, but also from fake flattery. So you wrote a really cool piece on this and I enjoyed it and I've been following you for a while. And can you link out this? <laughs> you know, that's not going to work anymore. So if you're stepping away from a formulaic approach, does that mean that automated outreach on mass is never the way to go now and you have to communicate with people on a one-to-one -one basis? No, no. So, of course, communi to communicating to people, building a relationship, you know, setting up bespoke emails is always the best, but it's it's just not always doable. But you can still, um, and I've talked about it a lot of times before, you can still create a template that stands out, right? Everybody writes new songs every day. Mm. So, and they're all about love, but you can still write a song that stands out, <laughs> you know, in a new way. So you can definitely use templates, but research the pain points of a specific type of audience. 
Are you able to share one element that you've introduced to outreach that is quite different compared with how it's been done in the past? Yeah, so one thing that I use that helps well is that you focus on specific type of prospects, specific type of companies. So let's say just marketing agencies or just graphic designers or just dentists or just budget coaches or something. And then you identify some kind of trend or pain point in that niche specifically. And you use that as your opener in the email. So I've uh, mentioned this example before with the, I think it was graphic designers or web designers where I saw that I found this article and it was about uh, 10 things your graphic designer or your web designer doesn't want you to say, right? It was talking about clients. And one of the things was where a client would say, oh, I really like your style, but I want this font to change and this thing and this thing, this thing. And I, oh, I want it to be more like Apple. And can you do it tomorrow by five? So that's that's when clients want late uh, last minute changes. And they want also, they want you to look more like a brand that's already out there. So I use that as an opener. So in the subject line, I put, oh, I really like your style, but, and then when people open the email, I, I did exactly a, a dial, something that the client would say to them last minute. And then I went into, you know, this, I didn't literally say this, but I know this sucks, right? So here's what can help you educate your upcoming uh, customers. Right. Really good example. Thanks. Well, let's finish off with... The Pareto Pickle. So Pareto says that you can get 80% of your results from 20% of your efforts. What's one SEO activity that you would recommend that provides incredible results for modest levels of effort? Wow, that's a really good question. Um, let me think. Okay, so it's a really oldie but goodie, but but I even with really big seasoned clients, they still leave a lot of links on the table, and it's it's just looking to the person next to you, right? So look at your uh, people in the in your existing network, your suppliers, your business partners, other partnerships you have. And just come to them with an open question, like, how can we work together to improve our online visibility? And, you know, they might have tons of ideas or they might already have suggestions of things they did themselves. So I would definitely always look at your existing network first and and tap into that. Great advice. It's not the interesting, sexy way of building links, but it could potentially be the most valuable, at least over the short term. Yeah, isn't it funny that it's one of the easiest ways to get links and still people don't do it? It's like they like they, they want to make their life difficult first. <laughs> well, they want to make their life exciting. I think that's what it is. Maybe, yeah. I don't, yeah. Maybe they want to do make things complicated because they think it's a bigger reward or something. But you can get a lot of, if, if you, all the software that you use, you can, you can do a customer journey story or whatever for them and get a link back. And that's, that's already in the pocket then. Been your host, Eva Bain. You can find BB Raven over at bbbuzz.com. BB, thanks so much for being on the In Search SEO podcast. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure as ever. And uh, yeah, see you next year. And thank you for listening. Check out all the previous episodes and sign up for a free trial of the Rank Ranger platform over at rankranger.com. Yeah.